Welcome to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. A dream mason is a person who's brave enough to declare they have a dream and committed enough to do the work to build it. I know we all have a dream mason inside of us, and my dream for this podcast is to support us by giving us a glimpse inside the hearts and minds of leaders, creators, and innovators to help us unleash our inner dream mason. Because your dreams don't build themselves. Yo, welcome back to the Dream Mason Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Terranova. I am a Dream Mason, a performance and mindfulness coach. I work with leaders, creators, and innovators, those brave enough to build dreams. If you're a high performer looking for an edge with a desire to expand your leadership, generate more money, more time, and feel more fulfilled, working with me will support you in making that life a reality. Now, if you haven't already, please support me and this podcast by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. Follow me, Inspirational Alex, on Instagram, and please share this podcast with a friend. I am psyched to share my guest with you today, to share this podcast with you today. I have never met a professional poker player, and when I met Johnny Moreno, aka Johnny Vibes, I knew I just met a genuinely good person, or just a quality person, someone that just had a wealth of knowledge and wisdom that could share with us in a way that is just so digestible and so easy to see and and take a look at in our own lives. Johnny is a professional poker player. He's actually been in the World Series of Poker the last six years, and he's placed or cashed out in the last three. He's also an entrepreneur, a creator. He's a YouTube sensation. He just hit a million views on his YouTube channel, and that thing hasn't even been out for a year. Johnny and I discuss personal growth and the value of doing things that make us uncomfortable, the value of, and importance in your being, not just in poker, but also in life. We get into this really cool conversation of how poker is like a magnifying version of life and kind of seeing who we are as people. We talk a whole lot about money, money mindset, transformation, and your relationship to your money and risk. We talk about value and the ability to shift and change your relationships to anything. We also talk about how the quality of your relationships is distinctly related to the quality of your life. Johnny is super vulnerable, and so we get into some real vulnerability topics around family and whatnot. And and Johnny really kind of stresses that all deep connections are based in vulnerability. I'm psyched to be sitting down with you because I've never spoken with a professional poker player until I actually met you. And I think that there's some really interesting things about the psyche of somebody who essentially makes their living kind of like trading money mm-hmm. in a way. Like it's, it's a skill, right? It's not, it's, I think we're beyond the place in, in society where we think it's like luck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're somebody that like actually, you make money by playing with money essentially. Exactly, yeah. Which that's, is that's, ex- that, that's exactly how I would describe it. And one thing about professional poker that is kind of tough is that you could be a professional poker player, but that doesn't mean that you're gonna make money. Like there's some days that you go into work and you lose money. There's actually been weeks, and early on in my career, there's been a process of like four months where I haven't made money before. So I would liken it to like playing the stock market or something, yeah. something like that where it's, it's volatile. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't, we don't need to dive in like right into the money, but it's like a huge thing I want to talk to you about because the psyche that it would take to, to live that life mm -hmm. to, I mean, it's gambling, even yeah. though it's skill, it's still yeah. gambling, um, on a regular, like so many people are confronted by just entrepreneurship mm -hmm. instead of just a straight paycheck and it's entrepreneurship like times 10 yeah. in terms of risk. But what do you want people to know about you in general that you know, isn't, they can't just like find by looking you up. Um, well, honestly, now you can pretty much find a lot of things just by looking me up because I recently started a YouTube channel and one of the things that I do on my YouTube channel is I'm completely transparent. I'm completely vulnerable. If there's things that are going on in my life, I, I lay it all out there on the internet. So yeah, like I could tell you some things right now, but honestly, I've probably said it all online already. I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to that. I actually found that being 100% transparent, vulnerable, honest online was like the secret sauce, the fastest way to connect with an audience because an audience is so adept mm -hmm. at figuring out BS and figuring out like if someone's telling the truth or not. So it's been a good practice for me. The other thing is, is that I have to, I have to live my brand every single day, no matter what, like there's no, I can't be off. Because, because I, I, I'm a personal brand now because I'm putting my life out on, on the internet, on YouTube. YouTube's a little bit different too because that's 10, 12, 15 minutes of access into my thoughts, my life. It's not a one second Instagram post where you're just scrolling through and you see a quick caption. No, this is my life. <laughs> yeah, I've watched. I mean, we met to give people some background. Like we met randomly. Yeah, I was hosting an open mic thing. You were sitting there, um, and I think you. I think the way when we met, like I actually was like I thought I was gonna get like, um, what is it? Like you were gonna, uh, like kind of almost like pick at the person that was like hosting, and you were actually just like embraced me, mm. and were totally acknowledged me for what I was doing. It was the first time I was ever doing something like that. And then you shared with me what you're up to. You shared with me the YouTube channel. I very much remember you saying. I started this thing because I was uncomfortable mm -hmm. kind of talking in public. Yeah. And definitely. that right off the bat makes you, has you stand out because most people don't do things they're uncomfortable with. Yeah. And you actually got that, like there's something on the other side of uncomfort. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw you, you were emceeing an, an open mic night and you said it was the first time that you'd ever done it. I thought you were doing a great job, especially for it being your very first time doing it. And I can, and a lot of people have, you know, self, you know, talking to themselves in a way where it's my first time, this is probably horrible. So I just wanted to let you know from my perspective that I thought you were doing a great job because, so something that you were alluding to earlier was that by doing things that are uncomfortable, there's incredible growth on whatever it is on the other side of that. Even if like you don't succeed, like let's say you went up on the open mic night and you totally bombed, there would be so many learnings in there for you. And for the next time, you might be more scared the next time, <laughs> but there would be 100% you'd be more prepared the next time. There'd be some sort of learning for you or some sort of growth. And I, I, took, I did the same exact thing in my own life. So I was struggling selling, I, I created a product. I was trying to sell it. I was doing some influencer marketing, doing some different things on Facebook, just trying to get the word out about my product. And I realized that anytime somebody ever asked me about my product, I had such a <laughs> tough times even describing it like my elevator pitch was awful uh, what's the product what's the product so I, I was making clothes uh, 
organic, organic clothes in LA with sustainable wage, fair wages, sustainable practices. Okay. And then when I was talking to someone about it, I was like, well, there's this thing in LA. <laughs> and I was like, I'm horrible at this. I need to get better at this. So one of the things that I thought to do was put myself in front of a camera and, and talk and just, practice. just articulate my thoughts every yeah. single day, work on my video editing, work on the way that I speak and, and captivate an audience. So I was like, why not just start a YouTube channel and post up videos? Cause that's for everyone to see. And if you look at my first videos versus I just uploaded my 36th video today, it's night and day difference. Not only is the editing better, but the way that I speak and the way that I talk to the camera. Cause I remember when I first started talking to the camera, it was like that girl across the room where you're kind of nervous to go talk to. <laughs> and when you approach her, you're like, oh, hi, my name's Johnny. Um, I noticed you across the room, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but now like, because I'm 36 episodes deep, I see the girl across the room, I'm like, hi, you captivated me from across the room. I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Johnny. It's like, I'm talking to like my best friend now, you know? Yeah. And that's how it was for the camera with me. And now when I turn on the camera, I feel like I'm talking to my best friend. I just hear, it's just practice, right? Like yeah. that's, I mean, you just described, like you used the analogy of like dating in a way, mm -hmm. but all it is is practice, right? Mm -hmm. And I was actually talking to my cousin the other day and I was posing a, a realization that I had about myself. And she goes, well, what are you gonna do about it? I was like, I don't know. I'm like, this is what I do for a living, right? Like, and I'm like in my own stuff, right? We all have our own. And I, and she goes, well, there's one, only one answer to every how question. And I was like, there's no one answer to everything. And she goes, yeah, there is. The one answer to every how question is practice. And I was like, oh my God, that's actually, that might actually be true. Yeah. You know, we, you might not know how that end result's going to be. Like you didn't know you were going to become popular on YouTube. You yep. didn't know this was going to be not only popular, you started doing it as a way for access to something else. Mm -hmm. And now you have a YouTube channel that has, you have a big following, right? Yeah. In like um, a very short amount of time. In my niche, I went like semi-viral. So it's, I didn't start the channel with the intention of <laughs> growing a huge audience. I started the channel as a creative outlet and a way to work on myself. Yeah, that's all. And it just, so you used practice and yet there was this outcome that was completely unpredictable and mm -hmm. I think like how often do we get attached to an outcome mm -hmm. like the person who you described who the audience can pick out as being inauthentic mm -hmm. is like I want a million viewers and that's the reason they're doing the channel yeah where you're doing the channel for you yep and then it became something yep and I think that's huge what you're touching on is absolutely huge because in the in the latter scenario where you're where you were describing someone starting a channel because they wanted to get views or because they wanted to become popular, yeah. their why yeah. has nothing to do with fulfilling themselves. It, it has nothing to do with like a creative outlet. It has nothing to do with something that's fun for them. So for me, it was getting out of my comfort zone, but it was also fun. Like I really love editing videos and telling a story online. So if people didn't watch, I was still having fun doing it. So I think a lot of times people will get into it and it won't be fun for them. They're, 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 they're thinking about the have, yeah. and they're not thinking about how they're being in the process. So it's crazy though, because by just being and, and doing the things that you love, that like having the thing just naturally comes. Well, what did you learn from, cause poker is, there's so much being, and it's cool that you brought being into this conversation cause it's not, 
you know, out in the world, we don't talk about who people are being. Mm-hmm. We just talk about like, what do you need to do? It's everything is doing yeah. and we forget we're human beings. Mm-hmm. So poker though, which is kind of your base, right? That's yeah. like your main thing yeah. is all about essentially who you're being at the table, right? Cause if you're being a certain way, the other players can read things about you. Yeah. A hundred percent. What did you, how did you learn how to, how to, I want to say like control or manipulate your being yeah. in that situation and then how does it pay off in what you're doing now okay um, I think it's interesting because this does definitely relate to poker you can't just show up with the intention of making money and ignore everything that the process <laughs> that goes into that you know it's like yeah the visualization of you holding up bricks of cash at the end of the tournament <laughs> that's great but if you're not committed to the process of what it actually takes every decision you know because you can only you can only bet with the chips that you have. You can only play the cards that you actually have. So for me, I think that personality has a lot to do with it. I have a very responsible, guarded, even personality in my regular life, which translated really well to poker. It's, it's a bigger stretch for some people to, to do this because they have wild emotional swings. That's just their natural personality. So when they, they show up at the poker table, it, the poker table is going to magnify who you are. It's going to teach you so much about who you are in your real life. So things like being the oldest brother, things, about, things like being financially responsible, while they have helped me a lot in poker, keep me even, they've also stunted my growth a little bit because in poker, you, you can't really, you have to transform your relationship with risk and you have to be willing to like reach higher, reach higher, reach higher. And I was just on this steady growth of, okay, I'm pretty sure that I can move up to the next level and get there. So my, my path to making a good living in poker was very gradual. Where a lot of other people, if they, if they want it, they take big risk quickly and they get there a lot faster. Or they don't. Or they don't. Yeah, or they fail. Yeah, yeah, yeah because on the, there's the opposite end of that pendulum. Of like if you get crushed and they can't handle that, they exit the game as well. So I've, I've seen it on both, both sides. It's, I don't know if you've ever heard it. Uh, Tony Robbins always talks, when he talks about money, talks about all money is, is a magnifying glass mm-hmm. of your essential, your personality, your life, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're a dick mm-hmm. and you get a lot of money, you're just going to be a dick with a lot of money. If you're a generous giving person, you get a lot of money, you're just going to be still generous and giving. Yep. And that's all, because it's just paper, right? The, mm-hmm. the way you're holding over your head is just stacks of paper that yep. we've decided has value. It's cool that you then, you just touched on what I wrote down was like you shifting your risk, your, your relationship to risk. Mm-hmm. I don't think people recognize that we can shift our relationship to everything. That's essentially as, as a coach, that's yeah. all I do with my clients. Mm-hmm. You want a better relationship? Let's shift your relationship to, you know, your husband or your wife's job. Let's shift your relationship to food. Let's shift your relationship to yourself. Yeah. And not as somebody who you're, it seems like you kind of come about these things like almost naturally. Mm-hmm. How do you actually do that? Like, how do you shift your relationship to things like in this situation risk? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not perfect. It's, it's definitely a process for everyone and I'll never arrive. But something that you talked about with your relationship to risk actually made me think a lot about something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, which is <clears throat> all events are just events. It's the way that we interpret those events. So a lot of times, maybe losing money at the poker table, 
a lot of people think that that's like an event that's terrible. Mm -hmm. They view it in a negative way, they view it as failure, but a lot of times that might navigate you or pivot you into a situation that could be much greater for you. And I've seen it time and time again with my own path to where I'm currently at. The only reason that I ever started a YouTube channel was because I was failing to sell products online. <laughs> so if I would have never failed to sell products online, I would have never even started this mm -hmm. quote unquote fail. So it was an opportunity for me to see the events that are happening. I'm not selling. Some people might consider that a failure. And now because of this event, what am I going to do to, you know, pivot or make something out of this? Let's start a YouTube channel. Now I'm, I receive messages every single day. Thank you so much. You inspire me. I, this would have never been possible if I wouldn't have, you know, if I would have just stopped at the failure. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, I think the thesis of what I'm saying is that all events are neutral and it's the way that we respond to an event that determines whether or not it's a success or failure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's so much of what I do with clients. And it's, it's actually really cool because I think feelings are the same way. This is something like I'm working on myself is I, so events are neutral, but then our feelings are actually neutral too. I don't know how this, I want to know how this shows up okay. in poker or even in your, in, as an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Cause we have a feeling as human beings, and it's essentially just a sensation, right? It's just molecules and things firing and trigger a, a sensation within us and that we label sad, happy, excited, whatever. Mm -hmm. But then we go and put a like label on that thing. So something is like, I feel lazy, right? So many people out there are like, I'm lazy. Yeah. Actually, they have a sensation of I feel lazy, mm -hmm. and then they go ahead and give it a label that they are that thing. Yeah. Right? People are like, I am fat because I ate a donut. Mm. No, you feel this, Yeah. but that doesn't make it a fact. Does yeah. that make sense? Am I, are you I, right? I know what you're saying. Like you're, you're, what, what I'm hearing you say yeah. is that people attach themselves to an identity and like it's not fluid. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm lazy. Like, no, you, you're being lazy in that moment. But well, compared to who too? Yeah, like. exactly. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you're not even being lazy, but it's a frame of reference. But the point is, is that and this is actually something that I talk about a lot on my channel. I don't know if we've mentioned this, but my name is Johnny Marino, but my online persona is Johnny Vibes because I'm known as like the positive guy, the guy that you know navigates any situation <laughs> and turns it into a positive and the big dreamer guy, you know? So one of the things that I talk about a lot is that we choose, our, we choose the way that we want to feel. So like there's, there's things that happen to me at the poker table that are detrimental, lose money, I come home and I'm upset about it. You know, like it's not every day that you go to work and you get kicked in the stomach. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and let's put it in reference. I was following you one day and I don't know what it was, but you wrote how much you lost on, yeah. on I think your Instagram story. Okay. And that really got me present. Cause when we met, I didn't, I didn't know who you were. Like I don't follow, I know, yeah. I know poker, but I don't follow poker players. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, like this is no, he's not messing around. Like this yeah. is a legitimate, yeah. this is his livelihood. Yeah. And I don't remember what you lost, Yeah. but for a lot of people that would crush their year. Yeah. If in just a day that was gone. Yeah. Um, so actually that was actually the turning point of my, my channel was okay. I, I showed up and I had planned on vlogging that day. If something doesn't go well, I'm not going to say, oh, let's scrap the vlog because I didn't win today. Mm -hmm. 
if I committed to recording that day and I go in and I lose money, I'm that's, that's part of being open and vulnerable and transparent. I lost a lot of money in a short amount of time, 6,300 or so in about, I think it was three hours. I think the and, thing I thought was I saw was more than that. Okay, but it might was a different day, but yeah, yeah, but this was this was the turning point for my channel. Okay, it was like the seventh episode in. I immediately went and filmed. This is how much I lost. It hurts. Like people were like, "Wow, I've never really seen a poker vlogger talk about him losing because everyone presents themselves in a way. I'm the best. I have it all figured out. I always win. And to see me show up and be like a professional, yeah. I got crushed. It hurt." a ton people people immediately felt closer to me and they felt like they could trust me in a way that just started people just started showing up to watch the content that's it's cool to hear it from that from even in this other world this is a conversation that i've been having i had it with an entrepreneur recently who we recorded an episode for a podcast about they're a multi-level marketer and they're vastly successful mm -hmm. and we were talking about the image that people see like in her industry people see her, what she's doing and it's like oh my god she's living the dream life right mm -hmm. and she created it it's her time and in in coaching or transformational work or personal development everything you see is like the same it's like the people holding up the money yeah. and we've been having this same conversation because for me like personally this last i want to say the last month but really like the last two years have been really trying for me mm -hmm. and it's re it's a really what I'm noticing is it's hard for me to share it not because I'm like afraid to yeah I don't know how to say it like I don't I haven't figured out how to actually put it into words or language that people can see and grab onto versus like it doesn't make me a bad coach it doesn't yeah. make me not positive but hey, I'm a human being and I'm still going through my own sure. challenges and it's confronting. And like, I think the industry is the same, right? Like yeah. you're like the poker industry. Everybody just shows the glitz and glamour. When you look at people that are in like transformational work mm -hmm. or personal development, it's all like positive and happy yeah. and just like have good thoughts. And, yeah. and there's no, we just don't see a lot of the, hey, I got my ass kicked today. Yep. And how, do, how are you with that? Yeah, like, I mean... The person that writes a book on, you know, relationships or the person that writes a book on <laughs> how to have a perfect marriage getting divorced. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. It's the same. It's kind of the same with my, me and poker. I, I'm, I've asserted myself as an authority in my genre, in my niche. So for me to record a session where I made a bunch of mistakes, where I was emotional, where mm. I did things that were not professional, that was scary. And I was like... People are gonna think I'm a fraud. People like I can't even play. I can't even win money in my own. Like how am I asserting myself yeah. as the authority? But I think that I overcame that, and because I overcame that is why the trajectory of my you know social media presence took off. That's awesome. And it's like the catalyst for me being able to inspire people and reach more people. What's the actual goal with? What are what are your big what are like the big dreams and yeah. goals that you have for your, for yourself? It's funny, people ask me that all the time. And when I started this thing, the goals were pretty much just get better, mm -hmm. just improve like who I am. And there was no like, I'm gonna have this many followers or my life is gonna be this way. I've always had this loose vision that I would have a family, that I would be able to set my own hours, travel, uh, make a living doing what I love, pursue creative things. 
I had no idea that the mechanism for achieving that was going to be poker. Yeah. But I was like navigating along the way. Maybe this will help me achieve this big vision. So it's the same with the channel. I don't really have an end goal in mind. I just want to continue to improve as a as a person, as someone who, you know, as a public speaker, improve in all the ways that I can through the mm -hmm. vlog. And as long as I'm having fun doing it, I'm gonna to continue to, to do it. The moment that it's not fun for me or that I don't see it fitting into my long-term vision, I'll stop or, you know, it's, I don't really have the defined mechanism goal. I just have the big idea vision. What's the thing that motivates it? Because most people, if they don't, if we don't have a place that we're going to, mm -hmm. it's really tough to get anywhere. We like run in circles yeah. where we don't move. Yeah. And you don't have that destination. Mm-hmm. So what actually motivates you and keeps like pushing you forward? Okay. Um, well, like I said, I have this big vision of being able to support my family mm -hmm. through things that are creative and fun for me. Right now it's poker is like 99% of the way that I'm making money. But if I continue to inspire and connect with all these people on YouTube, you know, I could grow that into something that that's helping provide for my family as well. So. Touching on all these things that are fun for me, the end goal is that I'm making money to support my family, to do the things that we love, travel, you know, provide for my future children, things like that. But fun, it sounds like, well, it's fun in relationships, right? Because mm -hmm. you clearly are like, hey, this is my life, I wanna have a good time doing it. And then everything you just talked about is relationships, right? Mm -hmm. You didn't just talk about your YouTube channel, you talked about the connections that you have with the people. Yeah. and your wife and mm -hmm. well you didn't say your wife but i i've yeah. met your wife so i know there's a your wife exists um and the and the children that you want to have it's all relationship driven mm -hmm. now money might be the tool to use to to support those relationships and in, in, in yeah. going wherever you want them to go but it almost sounds like fun is the kind of like the fuel in yeah the car. yeah no i know what you're saying see like we i have this big vision but the thing is, is that I'm never really going to achieve that in a way that's where I get there. I'm like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, I'm here. I've arrived. Like, yeah. it, I have to really embrace the journey. And I feel like I've been doing that. One of the connections that I made is that by living my life in a way where I'm connecting with people, building these relationships, I have tons of relationships with people through Instagram and YouTube that I've never even met in person. Yeah. And they're, they're actually incredibly fulfilling. And I've noticed that with my wife, with these relationships online, the quality of these relationships and the depth of these relationships has a perfect proportion to the quality of my actual life. So as my relationship qualities go up, better relationship with my wife, better relationship with my brother, better relationship with my quote unquote fans, it sounds really weird to call people fans, but as those go up, the quality of my life actually goes up as well. It's really interesting. So there's a there's a, like a direct link between relationships and quality of life. Yeah, I think we could actually soundbite this and say, <laughs> the, definitively, the quality of your life, the quality of your relationships, is the same as the quality of your life. I think it's the yeah, the quality of your life is defined by the quality of your relationships. There we go. That's that's what we're gonna go with. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, but we did that together. That was yeah. good. Um, can we talk about money? Sure. Because I think this is, it was funny, I was, when I was driving over here to meet you, I was on the phone with my dad. And we were talking, my dad's been, always been an entrepreneur. And my dad, you know, growing up, I didn't think my dad was successful. 
because we weren't rich, Mm. right? We were fine. We were like better than most, like middle class, but we weren't rich. And there were like other kids that had way more stuff. And I didn't really get it, what my dad did, right? And then as I got older, only actually into my 30s did I have this realization where I went, holy crap, like he's really successful. He's had like five entrepreneurial businesses while none of them made us rich. They sustained, they provided for a family. Yeah. And they like, he, he ended them on his own terms. It wasn't like he ever failed and like had to, you know, recoup. That's, we could say that's yeah. successful, right? Yeah. And, um, and we were talking, I was, I was kind of talking about how our egos sabotage us and whatnot. And, and a conversation I'm having with myself about how my ego like sabotages my, my money, my relationship to money. And, and, and we were kind of like flushing this out and just like sharing, you know, things. And I told him that I was coming to meet you. Okay. And he's like, oh, I want to hear this. Episode. I want to hear what a, what a poker player think, like have the mindset. And we kind of had this thought of to be a professional poker player or probably to be, let's just even say like a day trader. Yeah. Anything that I would say huge volumes of personal money. Not a company's money, but an individual's money are being essentially slung one direction and possibly slung back. Yeah. Requires a different mindset, right? Mm-hmm. If we were in a room with 10 people and I said, hey, how many people want to make a bet on like what hat this is? And let's just say people don't know anything about baseball or whatever. Mm-hmm. People are going to bet very small amounts of money. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, and, and obviously that's just like random luck, but there's got to be something different in not just your mindset, but all poker players. Yeah. Or, and I'm just like very interested. In yeah. That. So like you can't show up to the poker is such a microcosm of life. And mm-hmm. especially in this money conversation that you're, you're having right now, you can't just show up to the poker table with zero dollars and expect to turn zero dollars <laughs> into some dollars. You know, it, it, it requires you putting money out into the abyss and knowing that because you've placed this bet mm-hmm. based on the knowledge that you have atta- obtained based on the statistics that you've delved into, based on the psychology of the player that you're playing against, you're putting it out there because you think it's the best decision to have money come back your way. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you can make money through in poker, and I, I believe in life, unless you have a job, if you're doing anything that's entrepreneurial based, is you have to put money out there in a way that I think this is this is a well thought out decision. I'm putting it out there because I'm just going to trust and have faith that this is the right decision and it's going to turn around and come back into my chip sack. Yeah. Is there more? I couldn't tell if you were going to go. No, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of with everything in life, honestly. So one of the things that, cause I'm big into the self-help space as well. One of the things I hear all the time is the more you give, the more you get back. Mm-hmm. And it makes perfect sense and like your relationship with my wife my relationship with my wife for example the more loving that I am with her the more that she's gonna love me back mm-hmm. um, so like with emotions it makes perfect sense for me but with money it always made weird sense so you're telling me the more money that I give to charity like that's gonna end up coming back into my bank account yeah. so it's like hard tangibly to understand yeah. but in poker the only way to have big money come back to you is by giving it away is by like putting the money out there and having faith that you made the right decision. It's going to come back. So like, where did this come from? Like, how do you like, like I look, I hear it. I'm actually in 
it was, I think, two days ago, like two days from when, I guess it was two days. I had this realization that my, my big shift around money is all about trust and faith. Just cool that now you're, it's like you're reaffirming it, right? Yeah. And I made a decision at that moment to invest in something for my business that I was scared to invest in, right? Like it's basically like yeah. sliding the chips because I'm afraid they might not come back. And within an hour of me doing that, um, I got a new client, mm-hmm. which yeah. sent money back, right? And it's yeah. not like it's, we're, we're not weighing like dollar for dollar, mm-hmm. but it was almost in a moment like I want a hand, right? Yeah. And it's funny when I shared that, I actually shared that with my dad also, and he was like, oh, what a coincidence. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think... Yeah, like, it's, it's tough though because poker is such a long-term game. Mm-hmm. So it's really so, tough. So is entrepreneurship or so life, is, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's so many parallels to real life that it's, it's tough not to get caught up in the short-term results. Mm-hmm. And so let's say that nobody, that you didn't pick up a client for two months. Mm-hmm. Now you're starting to second guess, am I making the right decisions? You know, because this isn't leading to profits like I thought it would. It's the same thing in poker. I think that I'm doing things the right way, but I'm not, I'm, I'm losing every time I'm all in. I'm losing, I'm, I'm on a losing streak right now. I haven't won money in three months, but am I really making the right decision here? So you, we get tied up a lot in short-term results. It's, it's just something that, you have to work through and me playing poker now for 10 years, I have faith. I can look back at my graph and understand it's been up and down. It's been up and down, but it's on this upward trajectory. When you're new at something and you're going through that, you don't have the evidence. So you just have to have the faith. And I think we look for, right? Like I could look for all the evidence that investing in this thing is a bad idea just based on dollars, right? Like, yeah. hey, this is expensive. I don't, I might not have the money. And, and I can look at this with my clients too. I have clients that are entrepreneurs that want to buy a huge piece of equipment and they're like, they're afraid, but that huge piece of equipment is putting all their chips in. Yeah. And you probably could look for evidence why like playing poker is actually not a good idea yeah. as a business. Oh yeah, 100%. What's, how did you actually learn the mindset behind this? Like, is this something that your parents taught you? Is it? Oh man, no, I mean, I was destined to work in corporate America as a software developer, or maybe in management, something like that. The, the route where you get good grades in school, you go into college, after college you find a good job, because there's no entrepreneurship in my family. Okay. There's no big risk, there's, there's nothing of the sorts. So the only reason that my life happened to take this trajectory was because my little brother, who was kind of the misfit, the rebel of the family, He started playing poker when he was like 18, 19 years old, when there was this thing called the poker boom. An amateur won the World Series of Poker main event, and it was the advent of whole cards being visible on TV. Mm -hmm. So people were kind of getting a glimpse into- I remember this, yeah. yeah, I I remember playing poker online during this time. Oh, you can make money playing poker, and the better players win in the long (laughs) run. He was the pioneer for that, for for me as well. And my parents were, you need to guide your little brother back into school. You need to guide him. And I, I tried, I, you know, because I thought what I knew was best. And it was just basically what was passed down to me. And slowly he started proving me wrong. He was like, look, I'm winning. Let me show you the stats. Let me show you how this is not, this is a long-term game as far as your skill is going to overcome luck. 
And because of our relationship, I, I started looking into it and he started to slowly trans transform my mind in a way that maybe my idea of the way that you're supposed to make money is just an idea. Mm -hmm. It's not the only way. And maybe the way that he's doing things right now could be something that I could look into for my own life. So I eventually started, he started mentoring me in a way where I started dabbling on the side and then kind of developing evidence that maybe I can actually do this. And then one day I was like, I think I have enough evidence because I'm calculated. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, I'm not the risk guy. I've never had logic mind. Yeah. And yeah. I had never even gambled a single dollar before I even learned about poker. Like, you know, I'm 26 <laughs> years old. I never played blackjack. I never, you know, I actually remember the very first time that I gambled. I was 11 years old, I want to say. And the neighbor kid was playing basketball. He was, he was probably three years older than me. He was like 14. And he, he was challenging me to a one-on-one -on -one game. And I was like, oh, I can beat you. I don't care that you're three years older than me. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I got this. And he's like, you want to bet? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? Like, I don't have any money. Yeah. Um, how about my Legend of Zelda or whatever game it was yeah. for your Mike Tyson's Punch-Out on Nintendo? That's awesome. And that's, I, that's such a I good like, bet. <laughs> uh, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll beat you. And I actually beat him, but he kind of bullied me into, no, we, you have to win by two. This is not just <laughs> like a, yeah. And I'm like, no, we never said that in advance. Oh, this is how we always play. Bullied me into it. I lost. Yeah. And that was soul crushing. Like going in, knowing that my dad paid for that video game and that I had to walk into the house and take the video game that my dad paid for give it away to somebody else who, who I, basically cheated i am <laughs> never gambling ever again so that that prevented me from blackjack like roulette any kind of casino sure. game i thought was life and death no i would never want to do that so it, it was a little bit of a harder process for me but once my brother convinced me that it was a skill-based game kind of like the stock market or I think the stock market's actually probably a little bit more gambling than poker, which might be sound a little bit well, controversial. You just have no, you have no say at all, right? Like exactly. you have, in poker, you actually get to decide exactly. whether you want to stay, like you want to see more cards, not see, I mean, exactly. the stock market is. You control your own thing in poker. A, a little bit more. So yeah. yeah, you don't control what the card, what shows up on the cards, Yeah. but you do get to control how the game goes. Exactly. It's a little bit more. In the stock market, you don't control what Comerica's earnings are going to be yeah. next quarter you know yeah there's a lot of there's actually that's really cool there's actually a lot of similarities right because mm -hmm. in that example like comerica's earnings are kind of like what's going to be on the other side of that card yeah and that you don't know yeah. you're just i think more involved you're probably as involved as like a day trader would be versus an investor you know what i'd invest if you were i'm, th I'm kind of seeing it like in an it is if you were investing my money in the stock market mm -hmm. i'm like the person betting on the people in the world series of poker yep is you, me trusting you with my money yep. versus as a poker player, you are the trader. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. as close as you can be to having like a say. We, I mean, we have this whole subculture, subculture in poker too, where people stake other people. Yeah. People are other people's financiers. People are other people's coach. Mm -hmm. And there's like a hierarchy of, I mean, I've had a stable of players that I've coached and staked and I, awesome. and like, I'm giving them money and they're gambling and the you're betting on them. Right? You know, yeah. betting on them. Yeah. You know, I've sold action in higher games, you know, like maybe I sold off like five percent of my action and other people that wanted to invest in me paid for their pieces and mm -hmm. it's like any other business. What's the um 
Well, you learned some, what's your, how do you, how do you describe your relationship to money now? Like it, it kind of sounds like a, like you, you get what you put in. Yeah. Is that, is that? Okay. So my relationship to money now is there's, it's like a yin yang situation where there's a lot of good that comes with playing poker and there's a lot of bad, I would say as well. First of all, I don't really care about money anymore. Like if I lose every single dollar, it doesn't bother me. Like it, it, that would mentally crush me 15 years ago. But now it's, it's just one of those things where if I lose everything, I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm not gonna be homeless. I'll borrow money. I'll find an investor to get me back in the game and I'll win again. I have all the evidence that I'll figure it out again. It's like an entrepreneur who is a serial entrepreneur and has started 15 businesses. He's not, he's not afraid to go out of business because if he goes out of business, He's just going to get right back into entrepreneurship and he's going to make it take off again. So things like how much does this cost or this, you know, what the gas prices are, things like that. Like I don't even, none of that even enters my mind anymore because money is just something that comes and goes so quickly. So when somebody tells me how much something is, I have a rough idea if that's a good value or not. But normally I'm just like, sure, here, yeah, take it. <laughs> there's a, um, there's a strat. It's kind of like a, I don't know if it's like a philosophy that you can think of money as air hmm. like it's just kind of abundant and out there hmm. but it's really how you relate to it right like yeah. if you if you get all uptight and stressed out and you and you shut down and you're like taking little sips of breath mm -hmm. the air hasn't changed it's the way you're relating to the air right versus yeah. somebody who sits back and takes really deep breaths mm -hmm. air is always the same you and I are just behaving differently about it yeah and it's, it's cool to hear you talk about money from that perspective because that's not... Yeah. Like, and you probably learned... What did you learn about money growing up? What was your... Oh, like, I mean, What's the family kind of story about money? You know, we, we had canned food drives for us. You, you know, we didn't... We weren't allowed to have anything but water to drink. And so we grew up with a lot of idea that money is scarce yeah. and that we don't have access to money. So if we do get money, you gotta save it. I had a piggy bank, you know, like I bought savings bonds when I was, you know, <laughs> 10 years old for my birthday money. So yeah, the idea that money comes and goes so quickly and so freely was something that was very foreign to me. And that I think that it took something like radical, mm -hmm. like playing poker for a living to totally transform the way I thought about money. So everybody's not going to do that. Like everybody's not going to go play, become a professional poker player. Yeah. Um, how would you, how would you teach people or tell people to shift their relationship with money? Cause I actually think that way you described that scarcity is probably the majority of not only America, but the world. Yeah. Right? There's just not, we think of it's like, there's not enough, mm -hmm. but yet they're printing more of it every day. And yeah. some people have billions and you know, yeah, I think like one of the biggest perspectives shifts that you can have is really taking a look back at your, your particular journey. So many people are maybe, let's say you're 35 years old, right? And you're stressed about money right now because bills are tough. Then think, of, think back to when you were 25. You were probably the exact same way. There's probably no difference, but you're probably actually making more when you're 35 years old. So once you have the realization that no matter how much money you have, you're going to be the way that you are. So great. Yeah. You're like, well, 
I could have, when I, you know, I could just choose to not be stressed about money and know that everything's going to work out. Like I'm going to, 10 years later, I'm going to be 45. I'm going to have new bills. So why in this 10 year journey to that point, why would I stress? Why would I just not realize that it's just part of my journey to make money, spend money? Well, and what you just said is if you actually want it to be different, you have to shift who you're being. Mm -hmm. I love, I have, I want to say half of my practice, if not more than half, there's obviously, there's always conversations about like, I don't have enough money. How do I get more money? How do I make more money? Whatever. There's always this conversation about money and when we look, I love that you said, look at the past. Mm-hmm. Cause I'll have like an example might be, I might have a client who would say something like, you know, I'm 60 years old and I only have like 50,000 in savings and I'm getting close to retirement. I'm never going to be able to retire. Like I have no money. Mm-hmm. And like, let's just say in this hypothetical, I have these situations all the time where I'll say, Hey, well, this is what I'm going to do with you. We're going to shift mm-hmm. that mindset so you can actually create money or have money so you can retire. And they'll, the first thing they'll, they often say is, well, if I pay you, like that money couldn't be going in yeah. to that retirement. And it's like, for 60 years you haven't made that work. Yeah. It's not gonna change because you just say like, yeah. I can do that. That's actually not, you actually have to do, to your point, it was like for you, it was poker. Mm-hmm. There's something that has to radically shift about who you're being yep. to shift a relationship. I mean, we could talk about this with like anything, right? Drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, oh no, I'm not going to have that relationship. Something has to really change yeah. inside of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I've been talking about mostly is just the way that you deal with the stressors of life and the way that you think about money as a general sense, you know, because as you said, money is there. It's like out there. It's, it's going to be there no matter what happens. If you win the lottery, you are gonna have to live your life in a way where the journey is like not stressed about money. And the mechanism that you're talking about, like giving away money to have more money come back, that's gonna be different for different people. But what's never gonna be different is the way you live your life or the way that you stress about things. So I think from a baseline stance, the first thing that you should do is just not be so tied up in the actual dollars is to live your life in a way where you think about things that bring you joy versus bring you stress. Now we're getting like further down. Now let's come up with a plan to, you know, maybe make more money by giving out more money or investing in different ways. But I think the core of what I'm saying is at a baseline, don't stress, you know, well, and have a, and enjoy your life. Exactly. And have fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think about all the time, like if you, if you gave me a lot of money and I'm not happy, mm-hmm. no, there might be things I have access to, but money inherently doesn't actually make you happy, mm-hmm. right? Like if I give you paper, it doesn't make you happy. Yeah. Now money might give you access to something that could make you happy. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times we think that it's going to be this thing like, well, I'll have more money and then mm-hmm. I'll be different. And to your point, like, I remember the same thing. Like, I remember being in my 20s and how much I made then as like mm-hmm. a waiter. Yeah. And like, I remember there were times in my 20s where I felt like I was rich yeah. because of my relationship to money was super fluid. Mm-hmm. And it was, it kind of felt like it was so easy to get because of what I was doing for a living and I didn't have a lot of expenses. Mm-hmm. And then as, as I got older, 
the mindset of like what I should be doing, how much I should be making, what other people are making suddenly takes a toll, right? Mm -hmm. So now when I look at the amount of money I make, it's actually not about the money. Yeah. It's the it's all that other game, like comparing myself to you or whoever, and we're not actually playing the same game. Oh no! I mean, if I if we wanted to start that comparison game, me having fifteen thousand plus subscribers within the first seven months and having twenty five thousand views on every single video I upload within a couple of days, I could compare myself to somebody who's just like absolutely crushing and. Yeah is like making a living off of YouTube and oh my gosh the quality of their content is so good how do how do they video edit like that and wow they're so good on camera not, not only are they good on camera they're actually attractive and like all these things you know like like if we went down that comparison route I would be obsessed and I, I would probably shut my shut my channel down tomorrow because I'd be like I'm nowhere near this guy over here or whatever so the comparisons are dangerous you want only comparison that I really want to make with myself, and it's like a struggle, like I'm not perfect with this, is look at my first video, look at my, my most recent video. Have I grown creatively? Have I grown professionally? Am I still having fun? Yeah. So it's comparing, it's kind of you monitoring your own growth, but it's not you comparing, like I don't hear you comparing you to you as like, look, I'm better. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just you following the journey and just marking where you were versus where you are. Yeah. You're not, you're kind of like not giving meaning to it, right? Yeah. Like, cause you could say, oh, I'm better now. Mm -hmm. You're just more practiced, if anything. Yeah. I'm, I'm more evolved as like a public speaker. I, yeah, the, the way that I, my quality of life though, from day one starting on the channel to now is still the same, yeah. you know? Because like the relationships that I have are still thriving. Now let's say that I started the channel and now I have this great channel with all this engagement, but my relationship with my wife isn't going well. Actually, the quality of my life right now would be considerably lower, even though like things are going great in my professional career, and on paper in my career, things are on an upward trajectory. I would be, I'd be miserable, because like we went, like we're going back to, the quality of my relationships is directly re relatable to the quality of my life, yeah. so. So how would you, relationships are obviously a big deal to you. Mm -hmm. What's your kind of philosophy or advice around creating powerful and good relationships? Okay, so this actually, the, the YouTube channel is another perfect representation mm -hmm. of how I was able to build a relationship with my audience so quickly. And it was 100% the secret sauce. Listen to you guys, the secret sauce. <laughs> to building a relationship, a deep, meaningful relationship as quickly as possible is through vulnerability. Like that's absolutely the best way because when people feel like they see you for who you really are, they see your fears, they see where maybe you've made mistakes and you're hard on yourself, they see you being human, that's when they start to build a relationship with you. So I see it all the time when I sit down at the poker table or I see somebody at the bank or at the mall and they're like, hey, I just wanna let you know that I love your YouTube channel and that I think that you're amazing and you inspire me. The reason why they are saying that is because they feel like I, they're in a relationship with me and they trust me and they you know, love me as much as they can love me yeah. for having a virtual relationship. Yeah. And the only way I was able to create that was being vulnerable on camera. That's awesome. And it's so, 
a relationship, not only like, look, and we're two guys sitting here, vulnerability is, I've talked about, I've done so many podcasts on vulnerability as a strength. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, anybody, I think most people that like listen to my podcast know about Brene Brown and she's Mm -hmm. like all about vulnerability and, um, but it's, it's a, it's such a difficult thing that we're just not trained in. Yeah. Right, like we're not trained in it, we don't know how to do it, and then there's this artificial version of it. Like, I used to do so much artificial vulnerability, mm. and I thought I was being vulnerable, yeah, but I wasn't being vulnerable because it was like performance vulnerability. Yeah, it was like, I'm gonna tell you the bad thing that happened to me. To, I don't know what the purpose of it was, yeah, but I guess it would like made me interesting. I see, but it wasn't really, it wasn't really vulnerable. It yeah. really wasn't from here. It was like vulnerability from here. Yeah. Intellectually, we hear the, the word vulnerability and it's fine to read it in a book, but in my, in my personal experience, I didn't really understand it yeah. until I experienced it. And one of the ways, the first like aha moment for me was I was participating in a personal development training and I saw a girl get in front of everyone and reveal something about herself that she was ashamed of and she got really vulnerable to the point of where I was like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. And then having the realization afterwards that I felt so connected to this person, that I admired this person and that they inspired me in a way where I was like, I was thinking that's who I wanna be. Like someone who everyone in the room feels connected to and the only way that I can achieve that is by being vulnerable like they were vulnerable. And that's not easy to like intellectually understand. Now, oh, I see what I have to do. Making the next step and actually doing it is a really hard part. But the awareness of, wow, I actually see this tangibly happening in front of my eyes, something that I would be deathly afraid of doing and never allow myself to do, yet when I see it in someone else, I'm immediately attracted to that person and I immediately want to connect with that person. I immediately want to be in a relationship with that person and I immediately are inspired by them. So if I'm inspired by them, wouldn't I want to live my life in a way where people are inspired by by me? So the light bulb was going off, so I have to do what they did, which means I have to be vulnerable like they're vulnerable. So then it it was putting into practice. And it's different for everyone, right? Because whatever she shared, like really had an impact. probably haven't had that thing happen to you exactly. right so and I haven't ha- probably had that thing happen to me yeah. and whatever your vulnerable things are are likely not exactly you know mine like it's funny I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about vulnerability and like one of my I'm like man like I'm, I'm just like processing people always have this this uh, vision of me as like, I'm really good on audio, I'm good on camera, I'm up on stage. Mm -hmm. And the thing they can't see is like, my palms are like dripping sweat and my feet. Mm. And there's some part of my psyche that is like, controls where my anxiety goes. It goes to my hands and my feet. Now, it's fine when we're sitting here, right? And like, I'm not, I don't feel vulnerable sharing that. But if I have to shake somebody's hand right now, Mm. super vulnerable, because like, why is my hand all like, it's gross. but it's, and it's not vulnerable in like that way that like whatever happened to this person. Yeah. But when I have to have interactions like that, where I'm meeting somebody, if you're like, hey, I want to introduce you to somebody. Mm-hmm. It's a vulnerable moment for me, but it's just based on my own situation. It's not like the most vulnerable moment. 
Yeah. But I think the thing, it made me realize like we all have these like little things, right? Like everybody has some like moments of their life that, but then we also have just like these little random things in our life that yeah. cause us to like feel insecure, or cause us to feel like we're not good enough or bad or whatever. Yeah. And really we're just human. Yeah, I mean, practicing vulnerability isn't revealing the deepest, darkest thing about yourself. Yeah. It's coming home and actually telling your my wife that I had a rough day. And it doesn't even have to be like this big thing that happened to me, but come home, tell my wife, I played a hand with a guy and I feel like he outplayed me. Yeah. And it definitely made me feel inferior in a way that I don't know if I, like, maybe I'm not working hard enough in poker. Like, just sharing that little thing with my wife isn't really that big. Yeah. But it's enough for her to, to it's enough for us to establish, like, this vulnerability relationship kind of thing. Well, that's cool, because as men specifically, I think the stereotype, and it's a stereotype because it's true, is, like, men come home, and it's like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I want to watch TV, I'm going to go work on something, but the last thing I want to do is tell you that, when my boss yelled at me, it made me feel inferior mm -hmm. or it made me feel like I'm not good enough or it made yeah. me feel like I wanted to punch him, Yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up with a father that everything was always okay. Like everything was good, no matter what. You know, my stepmom comes home with cancer. It's fine. It's gonna be okay. Which, yeah, you have to be positive. Like I understand that, but there was never like, we're scared. You know, like, it's just, the like, the we're okay is just like a, it's not a real thing. Yeah, that's, that's, it's funny that you said the cancer thing too, like, my, I remember when my mom came home, and my mom and my dad sat down and shared with me and my younger brother that she had breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And now my mom's, this is, we're like 20 years out, she's fine, she's still alive, she's, you know, she's probably healthier than she's ever been because of how she responded to it. Um, but I remember I was that person at the time and I don't remember how old I was. I might've been like late teens, early twenties, but I didn't have access to that place of me yet. And I remember being like, my brother started crying. Like yeah. I sat there and she was like, you know, you don't have reaction. I was like, well, we don't know what's going to happen to you. So there's no point in getting all upset, yeah. which is okay. Like that's actually kind of a cool place yeah. of like to be. And at the same time I had no access to mm -hmm. also be with the feeling that came up, which mm -hmm. I don't even, I'm sure it was, would have been like sadness or fear, yeah. but you couldn't actually connect to me though. I was like, un, it was, there was a wall, right? Yeah. Um, I actually had a really powerful moment with my stepmom, who just recently passed in the last six months. We had a relationship that was very, everything's okay. And we don't really talk too deeply about feelings. And I remember it was towards the end and I feel like I had never told her how much I loved her and I never like expressed just what she meant to me. But going to that place was super scary because not only was it difficult since we had never really had that kind of relationship. Secondly, I didn't want it to seem like I was saying goodbye. Like by me saying this, I know I'm never gonna see you again. But now as I sit here, she's passed. As I sit here, you know, like months later, I couldn't imagine not saying that yeah. and like having the opposite of what if I would have told her versus now like, which is really hard to talk about versus now like I did get to tell her because I did get to tell her feels 
infinitely better than I didn't get to tell her. Yeah. No, I think about, I have moments with my dad like that where I want to like say, actually recently I've had a few where I wanted to tell him that like I was like proud of him for what he did or you know, some like about his, when I realized how successful of an entrepreneur he was. And there's that voice in my head that was like, you can't, you can't tell him. There's something about like the weakness of that we're ingrained, especially as men. And, um, and also like how, who he was for us supportive wise. And I remember calling him and having that same, like not wanting to, but feeling like I needed to. Yeah. And then like, you just got emotional and being on the phone and like tearing up and crying like it's a weird thing right like you're yeah. it should be it's I think that's the thing we're afraid of yeah. is that moment of like how you just felt and how I felt yeah but it's that's that's real connection yeah yes I mean it's super scary and it's awesome that you had that opportunity with her though before yeah and yeah, chose it definitely um I had to I had to like pep my pep talk myself yeah. into it you know because I, I was like what if she thinks that you know what if she tells me to stop talking because don't talk to me like we're saying goodbye or something yeah. like that you know so um it's definitely a leap of faith that i think is worth it and the other thing that i think that's really important with vulnerability is that there are certain things that people have to earn you can't just like go out there like being vulnerable with people that haven't earned your vulnerability you know like it's it's a two-way street like if i'm going to be vulnerable with you I don't expect it that you're going to be vulnerable with me back, but I trust that you're safe, that it's not going to be. And there's, there's definitely things that can happen where you do take that vulnerability step and it doesn't work out the way that you thought it was going to work, yeah. work out. But it's like with anything, like with starting a business, with going to the poker table, you just have to have blind faith and intuition that what you're doing is right. It's really cool that you say like it doesn't always work. Like I'm... I'm do I'm I'm single and I'm practicing being single in a very different way than I ever was single in my past. Mm -hmm. And part of that comes with like I'm a lot more vulnerable as as a man as a human being. And I know like a lot of women like run away. Mm -hmm. Like it's like why is this dude just like yeah. that's not what they're used to and yeah. that's a negative side effect. There's this I want to offer this to people as a practice cuz you kind of took in like this idea or you brought us this idea of being vulnerable. And this thing that's coming up for me is recently because of the challenges I've personally been facing. Like when somebody, if you called me and you're like, how are you? Yeah. My default is, oh, I'm good or I'm fine or I'm great. Like something that's just like a stock answer that I just pull off the shelf and kick it back to you. And recently I've been practicing this thing where people call and they're like, you know, or I call them and like, how are you? And I go, I'm fine or I'm great or whatever. And then I pause and go, wait a minute. Mm. I'm actually not. Mm. I'm actually going through some really confronting stuff right now in my life personally entrepreneurially yeah. and I'm having a hard time like I'm actually having a really tough time and the cool thing is every time I've done it mm -hmm. I get this like amazing real response like the other day I did it with this girl that I'm trying to create something with and she comes back with man me too I'm so wow. glad you yeah and so I think that that alone is a practice of like in our connection with people that we are in relationship with mm -hmm. that we all do that right that's yeah. stock how are you fine I'm good yeah. And I'm like, how are you actually really? Yeah. You don't know what, how you actually offering might open up for like another person. I think the, the, the spots where it didn't work out, I think that you just accelerated the process of something that was probably inevitable. 
You know? <laughs> That's great. If, yeah. if, if they're not willing to like connect with you in a vulnerable way, like I don't see much of a potential relationship for you guys awesome. in the future. Yeah. All right, I want to ask you just like a couple random rapid fire questions. You have, you're vastly more than a poker player. It's just like obvious talking to you. Like yeah. there's, there's like an old soul in you. There's, um, there's a desire to just be a fully expressed, fully developed human being. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the, if you were, uh, if you were giving somebody one resource to help develop them as a person, what would that thing be that they could go and like use? Yeah. Um, wow. One resource. A book, a YouTube channel, a person. Um, I think that, well, here's the thing is that there's no one thing for everyone. Sure. But what works for me, I think the biggest wake-up call in my life was attending a personal development like workshop with a bunch of people where like we had, it was like an experiential type situation. Yeah. But baby steps, I would say that there's a stigma of talking to like quote unquote therapists or life coaches that means that there's something wrong with your life. But every single person in poker, I have a coach, I coach other people. There's just like hierarchies. Tony Robbins gets coached. He coaches other people. So to think that if somebody like Tony Robbins still gets coached, why am I too big to like need a coach? So there, that, that's, that's a tidbit. Whatever area of your life that you want to enhance, I would say get a coach. Nice. I love that. Cause I always think of like actor, like the biggest actors all have an acting coach. Mm-hmm. Musicians have vo- voice coaches and essentially producers in a way are like coaches for musicians and mm-hmm. um, athletes. Every athlete has a coach, but yet yeah. we're running around without support and it doesn't always have to be a coach, but yeah. I love the idea of the event too. I actually lead and train events like that. Oh, okay. And even whether people stick around and do more, mm-hmm. the impact that one time can have on someone. For it's sure. like, you just never know. Yeah, definitely. What's the, um, I'm going to ask you to predict the future. When will you win the World Series of Poker? Oh, okay. Well, next year. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, you have to have that belief in yourself. Like you can't enter a tournament with the idea that maybe the next time, not mm-hmm. this time, but maybe the next time I can win. But um, in all actuality, the chances of winning the World Series are so small that I don't get caught up in it. Yeah. I definitely think that I have the capability to do it. But I, I just enjoy the journey. Like day one, day two, day three, it's so exciting. Uh, I have fun playing, so. Following you is fun. Like yeah. I, you're the first poker player I've ever met, like professional. Mm-hmm. So following you on Instagram and like your little stories. Mm-hmm. And we were like messaging back and forth. Yeah. And I didn't even, we didn't even get into that, but yeah. it was cool to see that. And you do that with your vlog. Like mm-hmm. that's the experience I have with your vlog is I get a piece of you, but I also get the experience of what it's like to live your life, yeah. which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could play poker with anybody, who would it be? Um, probably Barack Obama. Nice. Would you let him win, or would you win? No, you can't let anyone <laughs> win, man. He he plays basketball with you know Michael Jordan and stuff. Like he's he's used to being out of his element, yeah. out of his competitive element. So he wouldn't respect me if I let him win either. If you could take what you've learned from life, from personal development, from your relationships, from marriage, from poker, and actually go help one person, who would that person be? Um. Probably my father. Nice. Yeah, it's um, it's you know, as a as a son, you always have this idea that your parents take care of you, and I definitely think that my parents have taken care of me, 
But I think that my dad needs me in a way where I should be looking to help him more. And it's that vulnerability thing. Like it's been, it's hard to reach out to someone who is quote unquote, you know, your leader and try to like lead them or, or say things that, you know, he could take as he's not doing a good job or he's not like handling his own life kind of thing. So and he's struggling with my mom's recent passing. What's well, really, I mean, it's loving and kind to like go that way. And I think there's something really cool is we always think of our parents as like the people that teach us. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe and that we're, it's, a, it's actually a cyclical relationship. Like we're here to teach them as much as they're here to teach us. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not necessarily like life's lessons. It could be like spiritually or emotionally, yeah. but it's not like a one-sided thing that uh-huh. we've seen as a society to think that it often is. Yeah. Um, if people want to follow you on your vlog, on your Instagram, how yep. do they do this? Um, the best way is to just go to johnnyvibes.com and there will be links to my YouTube. To Once you go to my YouTube, then there's links to Instagram, all the social channels. Um, YouTube, I, I produce the episodes pretty highly produced. So, and they're like once every seven to 10 days. Instagram, I'm updating on story all the time. So like, that's the way to like, kind of get in the moment stuff. Yeah, do you respond? I mean, you respond to me, but do you- Yeah, I respond to pretty much everyone on every platform. It's starting to get overwhelming. (laughs) Um, But if they've sent me more than one message, the likelihood of me responding is almost 100%. That's awesome, that's really cool. Well, dude, thanks for, um, first off, thanks for being like the, the person who was actually in the audience that gave me like a, the boost of confidence that I needed yeah. in that moment. Yeah. You know, like I didn't, I'm judging, like I'm the person that beats myself up that I'm like, I'm doing terrible. Yeah. No matter how I'm doing, I think I'm yeah. doing terrible. And thanks for being somebody who was not only willing to give me the good vibes and the good energy, but I think like from another man too, it like even meant more because yeah. that's not something men do. Yeah. It's like you actually like got up out of your seat, like picked me up. So thanks for that. Thanks for the vulnerability and the yeah. courage to do it. But thanks for, you know, actually kind of cultivating this whole thing with me today. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't like do this, like we yeah. did this together. Yeah. Um, but thanks for the vulnerability, the honesty, the love, like you shared stuff about your family yeah. that a lot of people wouldn't have. Yeah. I really appreciate that. And I think that there's just a ton of value in your story, your message. And thank I know you. people get something from this. So thank you. Yeah, that means a lot. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, I love, this is the kind of thing that I love is doing things that are a little bit outside of my comfort zone. So this is exactly that, doing a podcast. Nice. Well, we'll do it again. For sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Dream Mason Podcast. Please subscribe to the Dream Mason Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Share it with a friend and give us a review on iTunes. I am grateful to have had you here. If you want more, you can follow or reach out to me, Alex Terranova, on Instagram at inspirationalalex or at thedreammason.com or email me at alex at thedreammason.com. And remember, you are a dream mason because your dreams don't build themselves.